This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of October 20th, 2018. Constellation Brands looks below as they lose a CEO. Folks, president steps down. Buckle up, buckaroo. It's time for the whiskey roundup. And get ready to roast the chestnuts and drink vodka by the fire. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Hello. Wow, it's all four of us here. Yeah. It's almost like we've we've gathered together to talk about some news. <laughs> all right, well, let's start talking then. Uh, so, lead story, Constellation Brand CEO is stepping down next year. Rob Sands will step down as CEO of Constellation Brands on March 1st, 2019. Uh, the New York-based alcohol beverage company announced today. But I think they're uh, a little more than alcohol bever- alcoholic beverages now. Assuming the role of Sands will be Bill Newlands, who joined Constellation as Chief Growth Officer in 2015 and took over as President from Sands in February. So, uh, yeah, I'd say as Chief Growth Officer, he has grown his position substantially at Constellation. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's a weird weird position on on any kind of board or any kind of set up i guess but still i mean one assumes he's done well enough they figure he can he can handle the big job oh yeah uh since joining constellation brands in 2015 bill has made a significant impact on our company finding ways to leverage our unique capabilities as a leading total beverage alcohol provider to meet consumers evolving needs and accelerate growth uh sand said via a press release uh, i'm gonna go ahead and say that uh Consumers evolving needs means weed. Uh, Bill understands. <laughs> Bill understands what it takes to succeed in this rapidly evolving market, and he's the right person to lead our company going forward. Hmm. By understands what this success will be, that they mean they mean weed. That's what they're talking about. <laughs> Probably. I look forward to working. I mean, with- we can't say for certain, but. <laughs> But but it's weed. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to uh, working with Rob Ri- Rob Richard, our board of directors, and the Constellation Brands team to ensure we contribute or continue building on the momentum our company has gained in the marketplace for many years to come. Uh, Constellation is the third largest beer company in the U.S. and it sells popular imported Mexican beer labels. You might have seen a few of these: uh, Corona, Modelo, Pacifico. They're out there. You know, did, did some small, small craft brews from South. I'm just Florida. wondering, is this the guy behind making billion dollar purchases? Uh, hmm. new. No. When did they buy uh, Bell's Point? How long has he been at the helm? Two years he was, ago. He's been there since 2015. Was it like two or three years so ago? He, he would have been there, yeah. Uh, company also owns three craft breweries Ballast Point, Funky Buddha, and Four Corners. Uh, no, they own three breweries. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the Funky Buddha thing. That were craft when yeah. they were purchased. Yeah. Actually, I don't true. know. Was Ballast Point already passed on production? At, no, <laughs> no they craft? hadn't gotten quite that big yet okay. because they weren't like Sam Adams big. 
Ballast Point was probably one of his first. It looks like uh, November of 2015 was whenever the buyout happened, so it was probably one of his first deals. That's a hell of a deal. Uh, Go in. Hey, I want to spend a billion dollars. I'm going to spend a billion dollars of your company's money. I know you just brought me on, but trust me. Uh, Sands is the third generation of his family to lead the beer, wine, and spirits company. Will become executive chairman, a role currently held by his brother, Richard Sands, who will become executive vice chairman. So I guess they're kind of in honorary titles still on the board. Uh, in an interview with the Wall Street Journal, Sands, who led the company for the last 11 years after officially joining the business in 1986, said he would remain involved as the executive chair of the company in order to continue overseeing a roughly $4 billion investment in Canadian cannabis company, uh, Canopy Growth. So, yeah. So, let's also address the fact that apparently the Sands are just, you know, keeping control of this company. Oh, yeah. yeah they're not going to let that go. No way. Uh, today's announcement mm -hmm. is the latest in several organizational moves made by Constellation this year. Back in August, uh, on the same day that they announced the Canopy investment, uh, the company terminated about 60 employees who were tasked with selling the company's craft and specialty beer throughout the U.S. And uh, back in early October, they promoted Malika Montero to the role of Senior Vice President and Chief Growth Officer, supplanting mm. Jared Fix, who had left the company. Yeah, I think that story kind of got swallowed up because at that same time we had a whole bunch of stories of uh, yeah. people getting moved around. I think a lot of things got lost in the mix there. Yeah, a whole lot of shaking going on. A whole lot of moving, a whole lot of shaking. So yeah, uh, we can talk about uh, Bill Newland a little more. Uh, Newland's to succeed Sands, effective March 1st. Da, 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 da. No, they're just restating themselves. <laughs> the article gets kind of bad after that. So yeah, uh, huge moves happening there, but... Yeah, I'd never paid attention to the CEO, and when you actually look into that, go, oh no, their family has a stranglehold on that whole <laughs> that whole deal. Yeah, yeah, kind of kind of feels that way, doesn't it? <laughs> they have the big picture of him with the article, and he just—I don't know—he looks like a character from Better Call Saul. <laughs> Why not? Okay, I haven't had a chance to look at this. Now I have to go see this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a billboard. Well, oh, photo. he does. <laughs> That or a country singer? Mm. No, it's it's too nice of a. <laughs> Imagine like a him Tim with a McGraw cowboy look. hat. I mean, Tim McGraw now. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. He's definitely going to take me out into the desert. <laughs> you know who else might have time to take you out into the desert, Casey? <laughs> well, that might be Rogue's currency um, president. Uh, president, sorry. <clears throat> so, after nearly 13 years at the helm of Rogue Ells and Spirits, owner President Brett Joyce will depart the company at the end of the year. Current general manager Dharma Tam, who joined the Oregon headquartered location in January of 2017, will support or supplant Joyce. Rogue's nearly 300 nationwide employees were informed of the change yesterday. Speaking to Brewbound, the 45-year-old Joyce, who will maintain an ownership stake and remain on the company's board, cited personal reasons for the decision mm. to step away from the day-to-day -day operations. Mm. I have always trusted and relied on my gut instinct, and it's just time, he said. Nothing that he's been thinking, not that he, noting that he's been thinking more seriously about the transition for the last 6 to 12 months. My personal desire to step back, coupled with Dharma's taking over more leadership over the last two years, 
This was perfect time for me to step out and let someone else come in, he added. Joyce also stressed he wouldn't be lingering around the office or torpedoing Dharma's leadership. Instead, he's letting Tam call the shots as of January 1st, 2019. They're stepping back, and then they're stepping out. I am stepping out of the company. Joyce's father, the late Jack Joyce and former Nike Nike executive, co-founded Rogue in Newport, Oregon in 1988. I was going to say, uh, stepping out and stepping back are, in fact, two different things. One implies cheating on your spouse. (laughs) (laughs) Stepping out. Hmm. So maybe he's going to a different brewery. We don't know. (laughs) Joyce said, we are one of the smallest nationally distributed independent craft breweries around, but we understand our position we have to be outstanding in everything that we do in order to keep that position as a national brand tam who is only 31 years old said his primary focus will not be on forcing rapid growth on in the face of increasing competition but rather to continue improving the quality of the company's beers brands and packages we are making sure that we can get our beers and spirits out of the world into the hands of consumers who want to try getting our products onto shelves and allowing consumers to find it and share it with friends and will continue to be the biggest challenge. For its part, Rogue is perhaps one of the most diversified beer companies in the world, makes beers, spirits, ciders, and sodas, growing a variety of ingredients at its own farm, crafting its own wooden barrels, and currently operates seven brew pubs and two tasting rooms. Wow. Wow, that's actually... I wonder if that's the actual current number, considering the one burned down. They like be the number of like brew pubs and whatnot. I was completely uh, unaware that they made soda. Root beer? I assume it's going to be a ginger ale or a root beer. Um, what if you do a cream? Uh, and it's sold at Target. It's sold at Target? Oh. Root they beer? Sell root beer. They sell a honey orange soda and a cucumber soda. Ugh. Which I want. Under the name of you Rogue? Four ninety nine, yeah. a uh, 22 ounce power. Gonna have to look into that. Oh yeah, twenty two. Okay. All right then. Also available on Amazon, kind of for six ninety five a bottle. (laughs) Kind of. Kind of, because it's through like one of those retailers that doesn't really. It's not Amazon really. Yeah. (laughs) So Joyce, the previous president, took over when he was just thirty four years old, and he believes promoting young talent into leadership positions is an important strategy for established companies that want to remain competitive. Hmm. So there you are. As a young person in the professional environment, I agree with this strategy. <laughs> Although I do not look forward to that ever happening to me because there's no way in hell it would. Oh, come on. You know you want to you know you want to run your own brewery. Mm. No, no, as a matter of fact, I do not. Just here to drink the beer. Well, yeah, exactly. You don't get to we, you don't get to sit around and enjoy it nearly as much. That's right. How about how about sitting around and enjoying some whiskey? I've been known to. All right. Well, let's. let's I keep wanting to do like like Western stereo like uh, Western puns like well, saddle on up. Let's talk about the whiskey roundup. <laughs> oh. the word roundup reminds me of Toy Story. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, we we have a list of some uh, some new whiskeys coming out. Uh, we actually pulled this list from uh, Whiskey Advocate. Uh, hmm dot com uh and they say that the whiskey lovers have a slew of new releases to look forward to in this week and into the future uh 
We start with uh, Kentucky Peerless Distillery is launching a new program allowing liquor stores, bars, and restaurants to purchase single-barrel rye called Peerless Dimensions. This can be released annually and selected by head distiller Caleb Kilburn. Each bottle selection will have a unique flavor highlighting its name. Think s'mores, mixed berry cobbler, and chocolate cream brulee. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, if you want to try these whiskeys, you'll have to keep an eye out for which stores or venues purchase bottles and then track them down. Uh, there's some information on their website. Uh, they Let's skip to like kind of the heavy hitters here, though. Uh, let's start with Lafroig, which is probably pronounced incorrectly, but I'm going to keep going on. They're <laughs> releasing a 28-year-old whiskey. Mm. It's their follow-up to a 27-year-old from last year. Uh, so they just kept the same whiskey a little bit longer. <laughs> A uh, single malt has been aged in bourbon and sherry cask and is bottled at 44.4% ABV. It is available available in limited amounts at a low, low price of $799. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah. Because why not? Well, Mitchner's is also rolling out a new edition of its 20-year-old bourbon, and it's available in limited qualities, uh, released in... Uh, 2016. This year's batch is 57.1 percent ABV. Oh, hmm. wow! At one point, is it become I like a good high proof mixers? Yeah, it's that's... more alcohol than anything else. <laughs> Indeed, it is. It's just straight alcohol. What the f- Jeez. <laughs> well, don't worry. You can have this for the also low, low price of seven hundred dollars. I mean, you're gonna save a hundred dollars. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, look no, at the, look you at know, the why buy Lafroy? You can have more alcohol per volume. <laughs> when you can really and set a, a fire with. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe, maybe you want to go for uh, for Johnny Walker's most upscale blend, the Johnny Walker. The Johnny Walker. Uh, they have unveiled their first ever fifty-year-old expression. Woo! Yeah, bottled at. 43.3% ABV. The Johnny Walker Masters Edition honors the whiskey maker from the past and includes three single malts and three single grain whiskeys. Uh, just 100 bottles will be made available worldwide. Wow. Want to guess the price? I don't think I could at this point. Like, I don't even think this. I got nothing. $25,000. Oh my goodness. Holy shnikes. One All bottle will go up for uh, go up at the auction block at uh, Bonham's Hong Kong next year. Oh, of course, yeah. All I know is that yeah. uh, that bottle looks terrible. It's a decanter. I, I hate it. It's just a big cube. Mm. Oh yeah, no, it, it it's pretty terrible. Twenty five grand. <laughs> it looks awful. Well, how about? Uh, Barrel Craft Spirits is adding a new line of limited edition whiskeys and rum, specifically blended for balance and layers of flavor. First two whiskeys, uh, a 15-year-old bourbon and a 25-year-old American whiskey, will be released in the coming months. I guess 25-year-old American whiskey because they couldn't cut it as bourbon? Probably. think so. Yeah. They were probably shooting for a bourbon and then found out, oh, no, we missed a couple of those check marks. Yeah. Well, uh... They'll be bottled small amounts and uh, at barrel proof and priced at two hundred and fifty dollars each. 
Barrel is also releasing its annual New York uh, New Year edition uh, blend of straight bourbons from Kentucky, Illinois, Indiana, New York, Tennessee, and Texas. <laughs> that whiskey is ninety dollars and is available in limited quantities. So the it most is... affordable ones on the list so far. Yeah, I think so. Like I was, uh, yeah, hearing two fifty, I was like, oh, that's not bad. Distilling company celebrates its fourth anniversary of its first whiskey being barreled by releasing its very uh, that very whiskey bottled in bond offering. Davidson uh, Reserve Genesis is available in small amounts for a hundred dollars. Hmm. Okay, always a well, fan of anything bottled in bond. Well, let's go down to what is actually probably the lowest price on this list: a new single grain whiskey called Bearface. Is it, you sure it's not is hitting called, shelves in Canada? Not called Bear Huggers. It's aged seven years, including some time in wine barrels and Hungarian oak barrels, <laughs> and it's at forty Canadian dollars. Hmm. At today's market, thirty bucks. <laughs> I thought Canadian dollars were more than ours. Not right now. Oh, point seven five to the dollar. Hmm. Or one Canadian dollars. Uh, what is it? One dollar American is one dollar Canadian is point seven five in American. So yeah. Hmm. Well, finally, Douglas and Lane Company has blended a new malt that combines whiskeys from all five regions of Scotland in one whimsical package. Remarkable, uh, remarkable region, regional malts with a ten-year, uh, with a twist, ten-year-old is available in limited qualities for sixty pounds. Unfortunately, that one's not available in the U.S. Hmm. Excellent. So, yeah. uh, one of the stories, or one of the, another article talking about the uh, John Walker Masters Edition, says that uh, company founder actually had picked. Some of these barrels. They're hmm. that old. Some of the ones involved. Jeez. Yeah, I was going to say, like, founder was alive. And I was like, oh, wait, that's 50 year old. So mm-hmm. maybe. Well, speaking of something that's not old at all. Let's <laughs> um, okay. go to the opposite. Go, end. Go, in, go in the opposite direction. Something brand new. Uh,. This is, I swear to God, as soon as I saw the story, I was like, oh, this has to be Aldi, and it's not. Um, so this is from... Uh, <laughs> not this one. Yeah, it's not not this one, but we, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, so eggnog vodka is landing just mm. in time for holiday season. Yeah. I don't know if I want eggnog vodka. I like eggnog, I've decided, but this so, this is like, eh, I just don't like vodka, so if, now I'm scared. If thick and liquid is not your thing... True. And... You like eggs? Well, here you go. You can you can get your eggnog flavor without the thick and liquid. And maybe it would go well with something else, you know, to, to like you throw some cinnamon on there. Um, but so three olives, um, you know, popular vodka brand, uh, has a thing for flavored vodka. You don't say. Uh, from fruity options like raspberry and peach to sweet sweeter infusions like vanilla and cake, the UK distiller offers more than twenty weird and wonderful varieties. To get this year's holiday season started, the brand has just announced its latest flavor, eggnog vodka. It says with a, quote, light butterscotch nose and whipping cream taste, the sweet and spiced vodka can be enjoyed hot or cold. And it, uh, according to reports, it tastes just like the real thing. Um, though unlike the creamy... Lies. <laughs> I know, right? Unlike the creamy, calorific eggnog... Uh, you won't be afraid to hit the scales after drinking this one. Because, you know, vodka. Uh, the 60 proof, or 30% ABV, 
Vodka contains just 105 calories per one and a half ounce shot, which is half the amount of a cup of traditional eggnog. So if that's the thing you're worried about, then yeah, try it. Uh, $17.99 a bottle, um, standard 750 milliliter bottle. Um, the egg, egg sighting season, uh, seasonal release is available nationwide now. So you can, that's a good thing about those. And a lot of bo- vodka brands, actually, you can get them just about anywhere. Um, I like eggnog. The sound of that, though, kind of chokes me. Like, I feel like I'm going to start gagging thinking about this. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Um, I mean... I guess, yeah, I think if you don't want, if you're weird, like if you haven't had eggnog or something, like if you're weird about the, the, you know, the milky alcohols. Textures. Yeah, like if you're, and, and some people are, and that's totally fair. Um, this might be a good way to go. And, you know, vodka goes with a lot of things. So imagine having like the, plus the calorie thing. People are really weird about that stuff. So, hmm. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> Uh, okay, don't do that. All right, well, not allowed to do that with a pregnant woman nearby. <laughs> all right, let's get to some uh, more depressing news then. <laughs> so, a devastating disease is spreading across Central American coffee plantations and threatening global coffee supply, causing billions of dollars of damage and costing millions of workers their jobs. Uh, known as coffee rust leaf disease or just coffee rust. Uh, the disease is caused by fungus, Hemilia Vastratrix? Vastratrix. I just want to keep calling it Valtrax. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like they got herpes. All the coffee plants got herpes. I don't know. <laughs> but it has no known cure. Yep, all the, all the coffee plants Checks got out. herpes. Uh, while not killing plants outright, the disease chokes them of essential nutrients, causing a dramatic drop in yields. First symptoms include pale yellow spots on the... They got herpes! <laughs> how did all the coffee get herpes? You know how. Uh, which you then know what they did. They expand into larger rings, turning bright orange, red, then finally brown. Ugh. The coffee got bad herpes. Uh, leaves then usually die within a few years. Years? Yes, within a few years. Uh, 70% of Central America's Arabica plants have been affected, wow. resulting in $3.2 billion of damage to the industry and 1.7 million lost jobs. Wow. Uh, speaking to NPR, Guatemalan producer and export Jose Morao, uh, said, we are in the middle of the biggest coffee crisis of our time. Uh, further compounding the crisis are catastrophically low coffee prices. Uh, Stuart McCook, the author of an upcoming book on the history of the disease, was uh, the one quoted with all that. Uh, the disease previously wiped out uh, the coffee industry in Sri Lanka, hmm. then, uh, then called Ceylon, at the end of the 19th century. It has since affected oh, so nearly. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, a little while. It's still been hanging around. It, it has since affected nearly all the coffee bean growing countries of Asia and Central and East Africa, and first arrived in Latin America in the 1970s. While rust resistant strains have been developed, the quality of their beans is considered inferior to those of the Arabica plant. 
Scientists are also warning that these strains are not a long-term solution as the fungus is capable of evolving and overcoming resistant genes within five to ten years. Man. Coffee and its nemesis are always evolving. So, no, this is this is not good. Coffee and its herpes nemesis. Yeah. Herpes finds a way. Look, whoever's spreading herpes on all the coffee, could you stop? That's how that's how the world is going down. Like pollution is one thing, but like the diseases and like the little the, f- the fungus and bacteria and this and that. Like holy crap! So it's uh, everyone's. <laughs> it's, been... it's almost as if change over time and yeah, I know. <laughs> getting over things. You know, is is some sort of evolutionary kind of you know solid factual based idea. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Oh, this this just hurts. It hurts my soul, especially after I just saw that all the uh, the Arabica cadabra from Bells oh, yeah. hit stores around here recently. All their well, Arab- coffee stuff. Like Arabica is like the stuff that people like. That's the main one that people use. As you say, that's that's the stuff. That's what people are mainlining. <laughs> I was going to say I don't think I'm familiar with the Arabica rav no whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Arabica Cadabra, that's what uh, Bell's new stout that replaced their just their coffee stout. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, 100% Arabica beans going into that beer. I guess uh, probably not for much longer. <laughs> Never again. For now. Because yeah. uh, I would expect, yeah, everyone's going nuts about, oh, your beer prices, they, they could double. And then you actually read those articles and it's like, by the year 2100, they could be doubled. And it's like, oh, well. This is, no, your coffee prices are probably going to be doubled by next year. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I had to stop and think, like, no, I'll be dead by then. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll be oh, dead, man. it won't matter. That's that's future generation's problem. Well, if you can't drink coffee anymore, you might want to switch to vodka. <laughs> or kill me. And why not switch to a vodka that is sustainable? Look, I'm just saying I don't think vodka and coffee are interchangeable. Well, you've never woken up the mornings I have them. Um, (laughs) Holland stands out for a few things. Tulips, clogs, and exceptional progress in the field of sustainability, to name three. One of those things is not like the other. (laughs) Clogs. The Dutch are known for bringing the world's first plastic-free shopping aisle to the national supermarket chain. And for the Waste is Delicious initiative, which saves produce destined for bins and transforms the ingredients into new edible items like soups, chutneys, and beer. Did you know that Dumpster was a brand name? Hmm. I just found that out today. Huh. It's the Kleenex of... It's the Kleenex of trash disposal. Weird. In short, when it comes to waste reduction, the Dutch are nailing it. The Netherlands is continuing to show how to pull off zero waste, this time with vodka made from discarded volumes of the country's iconic flower, the opium plant. No, the tulip. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I Get me a bottle of that opium. vodka stat. <laughs> <laughs> I need it in a pipe. <laughs> yes, please. Um, Dutch in a den. Uh, Dutch tulip vodka is the creation of actor, filmmaker, and entrepreneur Joris Putman, who set out to invent an entirely new product in 2014. Entirely so, new. You can make vodka out of pineapples. Yep. <laughs> Just four years later, and it's delicious, I hear. Um, his unique and distinctly Dutch vodka is reality. Is, is a reality. Stocked in upscale restaurants around Europe, the Dutch Tulip Vodka brand is growing steadily. I don't know how fast it can grow because one bottle 
of the uh, vodka contains 350 tulip bowls, bulbs and markets for 295 euros. Ooh. So, little little pricey. Now, the vodka is distilled three times over three months, resulting in a smooth, clean-tasting spirit with complex botanical notes, perfect for drinking straight, which is the, what the team at uh, this distillery recommends. If I'm not mistaken, almost all vodka is distilled three times, isn't it? It's it's multiple times, multiple distillations. Generally, I feel like it's three. Like three is pretty much a minimum. Two or three is a minimum. Um, well, no, I take that back because if you're using a pot still, you really need two or three distillations to get up to proof. If you're using a column still or a coffee still, oh, yeah. then you can do it in one. Hmm. So they use 100% Dutch tulip bulbs cooked and fermented in a manual process, says the Dutch, Dutch tulip vodka website. After making the alcohol... Um, it is made with water purified by a natural sand filter and uh, the, through the Dutch sand dunes. Water that is known worldwide for its purity, quality, and crystal clear taste. I didn't know that. No, I, I knew of, of their <laughs> water being infamous because you had to hold it back with your fingers. Oh, yeah. Um, you got to put that finger in the, uh, in the dike. Yeah. Any byproduct from the distilling process is given a whole new life as a tasty snack for the friendly neighborhood dairy cows who love getting wasted. <laughs> So, I feel like I would not be a fan of tulip vodka. Um, don't really care for how flowers smell. Wouldn't mm. really want to drink it. I probably wouldn't like it, but like I can never gauge the vodka stories because I'm just not a vodka fan, period. So, that doesn't like... I, I, I don't like the base. Drink, but skip the vodka drink. Yeah. <laughs> Take a lager. I do do that. Cider drink. And that. Sing a song. I was going no, with a different a song. song. Just the one that screams vodka. Oh, the Corbett Clowney song? Yeah. <laughs> your eyes are not shining. You are indeed not a real man. No. Well, now I got no segue for, for Coca Cola. Like, drink drink enough tulip vodka that. and you'll be ready. Uh, yeah, well, in, in New Zealand, the language of the country's indigenous Maori people. Uh, te Reo Mori. Sure. Guessing I said that right, but probably not. Uh, has recently undergone a resurgence of popularity and use throughout the country of 5 million people. Country of 5 million people. We have, st our state has more than 5 million people. Yeah. Anyway, uh, according to the report from The Guardian, uh, the big business has taken note of the trend and often mixing words and phrases from the Maori language into their marketing and advertising material. What could go wrong? Yeah. Well, sometimes the efforts of big corporations appear to appear authentic can go horribly wrong. And that's exactly what happened to Coca-Cola, the vener venerable soft drink. Yeah, I guess they've been around long enough to be venerable, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they tried a new slogan on vending machines in New Zealand recently, but made a mistake in mixing the Maori language with the English slang, according to uh, the Quartzelli newsletter. That's where they pulled this from the article. Uh, one sharp-eyed Twitter user noticed the slogan, Kia Ore Mate, on a Coke machine in New Zealand. Uh, according to the Guardian report, the phrase, the Kia Ore or or it looks like or, but I'm going to assume you have to pronounce the e in this because it's another language. Mm, right. uh, is common Maori greeting, which translates straightforward fashion into English as hello. Mm. 
Okay. Uh, but Coke intended the word uh, mate to be slang term for friend or buddy, widely used not only in uh, New Zealand, but also in England and Australia, as well as many other English-speaking countries. The issue is that Maori language mate read as the as a Maori word as well. That word uh, would be pronounced mate, hmm. and uh, it means death. Oh, <laughs> so hello, death. Mm-hmm. You know that's actually pretty yeah. edgy. <laughs> uh, trying, to, you know, trying to advertise. Hello, Coke, my old friend. <laughs> I mean. Well, uh, someone on Twitter found the bizarre accidental slogan amusing and decided to post it with the line, uh, when languages don't mix well. <laughs> but yeah, and then apparently that it took off from there. You have things of, uh, hello, death, Coca-Cola mix, mixes, uh, English and Maori and vending machines. Let us all know the end result of drinking, uh, the <laughs> end result of drinking their stuff. It's just, I mean, they're just giving you a heads up. You're going to die. <laughs> I mean, aren't we all? Yeah. I mean, you all, you all are. I'm going to live forever. So had they just stuck to not mixing the two languages, they probably would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, according to Cortsley, the word can also be used to mean misfortune, problem, trouble, <laughs> calamity, or disease. So it just never wins. Like, just don't pick that so word. So none of this is going to get better. Yeah. You got 99 mates. But a cocaine <laughs> like one. A cocaine <laughs> one. Oh. If we did well, names for episodes. Uh, I know, right? Oh, jeez. Yeah, they, they reach out to Coke and they are not commenting at this time. Because <laughs> they're, like, embarrassed, mm. probably. Uh, oh. But, yeah, the, uh, it's, it's, it's the problem you get when you start trying to toss in languages you don't speak. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's not all going to translate This is well. like the, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, the, the joke in uh, movies and whatnot. You just thanked them for their fat cow. Yeah, the, or like the. It's always that that one episode in early seasons of Big Bang Theory when Sheldon's trying to learn Chinese or I guess you know Mandarin, uh, and uh, oh yeah, he was he was complaining that their um, orange chicken didn't taste like <laughs> orange chicken, like it, it it was it was not right. So when he finally like thinks he learns it, about he's yelling at them. He's bicycle. like, "This is not a tangerine bicycle." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's how that works, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, well, um, I don't Yo, know. A good taste like a tangerine bicycle? <laughs> the new drink from Aldi? <laughs> Is it probably Aldi, I don't know. Uh, so this week in Aldi, um, <laughs> we have color-changing gin. Only in Irish stores, though, which I'm still just like, huh, oh. okay. Uh, so just when you thought gin couldn't get any more... Uh, oh my god, what is that word? Ginny? No, yeah, sure. Uh, Aldi introduced Forest Fruits, their first color-changing gin. Oh. Yeah, li like you do. Because that needed uh, to be a thing. Because, <laughs> I mean, how else are you selling gin, you know? Uh, experts have found a way to change the color of the spirit by adjusting the pH levels. So the Instagram famous beverage is distilled with the blue petals of the Asian butterfly flower which means the color of the drink morphs from a pale blue to a soft pink after mixing it with lime and tonic. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Good for them. Good, good, good job. I was uh, going to say, uh, 
how else would you sell it? You'd sell it in box sets with the entire series of MASH. <laughs> That's just... or, or a Hemingway book. Um, so it says, uh, add a squeeze of lime first and see what shade of pink the gin goes. Then add the tonic and it will change again. This is from uh, the co-founder of McQueen Gin, which is what this brand is. Um, he's talking about the gin when it was first introduced to the supermarket's Scottish stores. Okay, so it's already in the Scottish stores, and now they're putting it in the Irish stores. Um, so it'll be sold. I feel at- like what they've done is they've made they've put invisible ink into our into gin <laughs> of sorts. Yes. They like, oh, sure. add a squeeze of lime. If you put lemon juice on, yeah, yeah, on invisible ink, it becomes visible. So, what have you done to us? <laughs> I mean, I guess if it doesn't kill you, but and it's gin anyway. But uh, <laughs> so it's sold at 133 stores across uh, the UK, and um, of course, the British are the only ones that would drink it. Yeah, so it's going for 19 um, euros, about 20, basically 20 euros. Like if you do the tax thing, like we do, if you round up, 19 euros 99. So yeah. Um, the bottle's cool. Like, I mean, I don't. I guess I'm just like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want to try to sell gin, you know. <laughs> and like, I mean, I'm not I, surprised. I, I it's feel an like story. you could put gin in a uh, uh, in uh, newly newly cleaned cars to make sure it has that nice fresh <laughs> smell. Just spit like juniper all the time. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't be the worst thing. I don't know. <laughs> that fresh juniper smell in your car. Yeah. So then when the cops pull you over on suspicion of drunk driving. <laughs> Sorry, officer. I was just carrying a Christmas tree in here. <laughs> Very festive. Sorry, yeah. officer. Here, check my check my air freshener. Just scratch it. <laughs> and it's just a bottle of gin. Um, <laughs> it's literally an open bottle of gin hanging from your rear view mirror. <laughs> or at least like the cork or something. It's just my air freshener. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, all right. Well, uh, technical issues aside, that does it for the news this week. Um, <laughs> to get past all that fun stuff. So I'd like to remind everyone that this is our news only show. Uh, but we also do the weekly long form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And we will see you guys again, um, hopefully again on time, uh, next Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>